Welcome to Shakespeare Virtual Theatre Company's Podcast Plays. On today's episode, Me and Sam by Mary Barringer. Based on the poem, The Cremation of Sam McGee, Me and Sam is a theatrical telling of Cap, who goes through the Alaskan wilderness with his friend Sam McGee, newly arrived in Alaska from Tennessee, in hopes of finding gold in the buried ice. Me and Sam features the voice talents of Ray Fletcher as Cap and Jake Lewis as Sam McGee. Stay tuned after the play for an interview with the play's author, Mary Barringer. And now, Shakespeare Virtual Theatre Company's Podcast Plays is pleased to present Me and Sam by Mary Barringer. Day one. I figured I'd start my record here since I arrived in Juneau today. The plane that flew me out was shaking the whole time and I thought I was gonna throw up. Asked the pilot how often he comes up here and he said, only if there's people paying, which ain't often. I got the feeling he was waiting for a tip or something when we parted ways, but I'm gonna need all the money I've got. I'm gonna hire someone to come along on this boondoggle with me. I don't wanna stay in this big city long. The whole place makes me nervous. Day four. I've been here the better part of a week and I still can't convince anyone to travel with me. Now this Probably my fault. I must sound like a crazy person talking about what I plan to do. I was never great with people, but I know I can't do this alone. <laughs> Carrying the gear alone is a huge task. Carrying the spoils back will be even harder. I did find someone who was willing to sell me a dog sled and a few hounds, though he seemed a little anxious about it. Like he felt bad sending animals on a mission that's doomed to fail. <laughs> they all think I'm crazy. Uh, maybe I am, but I've got to be crazy and goddamn rich at the end of this. And then who's laughing? <laughs> Day six, success, I found someone. Now he may be a city slicker who never roughed in a day in his life, but I mostly just need a warm body. Met him in one of the bars in town. I saw him sipping on a beer halfway to drunk, and he was talking to the bartender. This is my last buck, you know that? And I'm spending it on Pap's Blue Ribbon. Does that seem right to you? Seems like an awful shame to me. I felt like I had to take a chance. 
<laughs> I, I talk to every sober person in town. Why not start in on the drunks? I asked if you'd like a few more dollars to buy some decent swill. Well, that's mighty kind of you. In fact, it'd be the kindest thing anyone's done for me since I got to Alaska. Yeah, I knew what he meant. People up here, they weren't unkind. They just kept to themselves, mostly. So I paid for a shot for each of us. Couldn't really spare the money, given I was already behind schedule, but, well, in for a penny and all that. My name's Sam. Sam McGee. I just got here from Nashville. I asked him what brought him to Alaska all the way from Tennessee. He shrugged. I've always been a bit of a wanderer, and I heard there was work. So, I haven't found any yet, and it's colder than the Devil's Johnson up here. I pointed out that the Devil's Johnson would probably be pretty hot, being in hell and all. <laughs> well, he must have thought that was pretty funny, or uh, maybe he's just drunk because he laughed really hard at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's my problem. I'm thinking about it all wrong. Uh, either way, I'll probably wander off somewhere else soon. Now this was my chance. I explained that I had a job and I was looking for a partner in it. I told him that if it all went right, it's the last job he'd ever need. <laughs> he really liked the sound of that. I can't say I'm not interested, Cap. You make it sound awful tempting. But what exactly would we be doing? I may be drunk, and I may be an idiot, but I've got standards. I won't be hurting anybody. So I told him, we'd be looking for gold. Gold? Up here? I thought all that got dug up and panned out years ago. That's that's why everyone thinks I'm crazy. That's been decades since any significant vein was found up here, but, but I got a plan. I was afraid to tell him. I've been afraid to tell anyone since I got here. Afraid they'd screw me over and get the scoop. But something about Sam made me trust him. So I pulled the map out of my pocket and folded it out on the bar. I explained that my granddad left me this map from his mining days. Oh, let me guess. He's got a secret mine up here that no one knows about? Better. It's so much better. The gold has already been mined. It's on a boat, and the boat is stuck in the ice. Now, my granddad had to abandon it when they ran out of fuel, but nobody knows about the gold. They ran the ship ashore, so it should still be there, just waiting for us to come pick up our prize. I folded up the map real quick so he couldn't memorize the route or anything. And I looked at him, fully expecting him to call me crazy or stupid or any of the other dozens of things I've been called since I got to Alaska, but 
Sam just smiled. When are we heading out? Day eight. Well, we had to take a couple days to get ready, but today was me and Sam's first day on the trail. Now, we, we only made it about 40 miles. I read that a dog sled team could do 100 if you know what you're doing, but, well, I, I guess I don't really know what I'm doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> well, then Sam's completely clueless. Already starting to wonder if I made the right call bringing him along. He's a city slicker through and through. I mean, I like my creature comforts, but at least I've been in the wild before. I don't know if Sam's boots have ever been off the pavement until now. Well, we'll see how far we can go tomorrow. Hopefully, first day is the hardest. Day 11. We're already off schedule. Far off schedule. I don't know if it's my fault or Sam's. <laughs> or the dogs, but we're not making the time I planned on. Sam's still whining about the cold. Now, to his credit, he don't whine about much. I told him we might not be home in time for Christmas at this rate. Well, that's all right. I don't even celebrate it, so that's no bother to me. Just wish I could get some feeling back in my toes. Day 14. There's not much to do on the road but talk. And Sam likes to talk. Now, he can't say much when we're mushing with all the noise, but when we set up camp, gather around the fire, his mouth starts to flapping. Well, it's a little annoying, but I'm, I'm starting to get used to it. And I think it'd be worse to be out here alone. You remember what we talked about in that bar? What I was saying about the Devil's Johnson being cold? I know you said I had it backwards, but I'm starting to think I might have been right all along. I think hell must be this kind of cold. This bitter chill that cuts right through you. I mean, hell's supposed to be the worst thing you can imagine. Right? Not to say I'm not grateful for the work and the pleasant company, but I can't think of something worse than how it gets out here. I told him that well, he should write a book when we get back to share his new philosophy on hell. <laughs> Shoot, maybe I will put old Dante out of business. And maybe I'm wrong, you know? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't even believe in hell, not really. But if hell's hot, well, then I'd rather be there. Day 18. Now we're we're well off the established trails now. We're we're cutting our own path through the snow. It, it'd be pretty if I weren't so worried all the time. Now we're getting deeper and deeper into winter now, and 
further and further away from civilization. We have to keep feeding the dogs so they can pull us out of here when we're done, but well, that's meant our own meals have gotten smaller and smaller. Sam, he only has one complaint. I wish it weren't so damn cold. Day 23. We got to close. I can't be far now. I, I can almost taste it, and the, and the hope is warming me through. I'd say the same for Sam, though. The, the more I think back to that night, I, I talk Sam into this, the, the sicker I feel. I was drunk. I got him drunk so I could bring him on this stupid mission. I promised him when we were done with this, he, he'd get a bigger cut than I originally promised him. Well, he earned it at this point. He just smiled. That's mighty kind of you. I, I kind of got the feeling that he was thinking about something else. Day 27. I messed up. Uh, we took a wrong turn a few days back, and we're going to have to spend a couple of days making up the difference. I tried to think if there was some way not to tell Sam, to, to let him think I'd planned it that way, but man, in the end, I knew he'd serve the truth. But when I told him, he wasn't mad at all, though. He was looking up to Northern Lights, and he was grinning. You ever see anything like that, Cap? They don't have that in Tennessee. I, I lied and told him I'd never seen it before. It was real pretty. And we just stood there for a while, watching them lights. Uh, I reckon I won't make it out of here. Well, I, I tried to tell him that we'd be okay. We, we'd get out just fine, but he, he wouldn't let me talk. We're too far out to turn back now. Our best chance is to go for the prize. I know that. And maybe we'll make it home. I don't know. But if I die... I'm hoping you'll do me one favor. Why, well, I told him I'd do what I could. I'm not much scared of dying. Like I said, I don't believe in hell and all that. But there is something that bothers me about the thought of... of being cold forever. Would you do me a favor, just one, and burn me up when I die? It'd bring me some peace. Uh, we'd been out in the wilderness together for a while, and after everything that had happened, I'd come to think of Sam as a friend. And it was such a simple request. So I promised. I promised I wouldn't leave him to an icy grave. Thanks, Cap. A29. All day yesterday, Sam was 
talking about Tennessee. He told me about all his favorite bars, favorite foods, favorite places. He told me about the music he'd hear and the people he'd meet. Even when the dogs were barking or the wind was roaring and I couldn't hear him, he'd, he'd keep on dabbling. His voice was just a raspy whisper by the time we set up camp. He, he kept talking while I set up the fire, while I wrapped him in blankets. At some point, he stopped talking and just watched the fire. <laughs> I was thankful for the quiet. When I woke up this morning, he was gone. I felt awful. I felt awful for, for a lot of reasons. Day 32, traveling with a frozen body is a hell of a task. But I made a promise. I swore I'd cremate his remains and, and that's what I'm gonna do. Sam deserves better than being left in the snow for the for the bears. I'm still heading for the ship, even though it feels wrong now. However much gold is there, it, it won't have been worth it. But but maybe maybe I can track down the McGee's in Tennessee and send him some money when this is all over. God, I hope it's over soon. Day 34, I made it to the ship. Why, well, it's hard to miss it in this kind of landscape. Now my granddad ran into ground on the shore of this lake and it sticks out like a sore thumb. I got inside as soon as I could and went to the stores. Granddad told me he hid the stash. There's gold, all right, plenty. I don't even know how I'll get it all out of here. But it, it all feels hollow. All I can think about is how Sam would have been thankful that the ship gives some shelter from the cutting wind. He wouldn't have cared about the gold either. Day 35. I figured out what I'm going to do. Now the ship's furnace seems to be the best course of action given that it's built for handling heat and all. All right, took a little maneuvering, but I managed to get Sam inside and the fire started. Well, I couldn't stick around for long once the sizzling started. It, it was the most awful sound. I took a hike, which seems stupid when you've been on the road as long as we have. But I'd rather listen to the howling wind than the, than the burning. I wasn't too worried about getting lost since every time I looked back, I could, I could see the thick black smoke reaching up into the sky. Day 36. Smoke's still going, but I figure it's about time I looked. I... 
don't know why, but I, I just felt like I ought to make sure I made good on my promise. So I went back into the ship and down to the boiler room. I opened the door on the furnace and this big gust of hot air hit me in the face. And there he was looking cool and calm in the middle of the roaring flames. Would you mind closing the door? He was smiling. It's nice in here, but I'm afraid you'll let in the cold. Since I left Tennessee, this is the first time I've been warm. Day 72. I left him there. I, I don't feel entirely right about it, but I wouldn't have felt right pulling him out either. I closed the door and I left him there. I'm back in Juno now. Nobody's asked what happened to the young Tennessee boy I took with me on my trip. Most people just take their money and go. <laughs> I don't think anyone would believe me if I told them. No, no, I won't. I won't tell anybody. Uh, Sam didn't have a family as, as far as I know, but I'll, I'll keep looking. If I find him, I'll, I'll give him some gold and tell him he got eaten by a bear. That's probably kinder than the truth. No, no I, can't, I can't tell anyone. I'll never tell anyone about the cremation of Sam McGee. And now, an interview with the playwright of Sam and Me, Mary Berenger. We are here now with the playwright of the play that you just saw. It is Mary Beringer, the playwright of Sam and Me. Mary, welcome. Hi, nice to be here. It is great to have you. So before we begin, I just wanted to tell you when I, I had, when you submitted this play to me, uh, I was really, really excited because even before doing theater, this, uh, the poem on which this play was based, uh, the Cremation of Sam McGee by Robert Service. It's been one of my favorite poems uh, ever since I probably read it in middle school, which was too many years ago. But um, it's it's one of my favorites so much that when I taught English in middle school, this was always in the curriculum because kids love it, uh, you know, because it's kind of kind of creepy, uh, yeah. not in like a gory sort of way. Although you might interpret some parts of it that way. So, so long story short, enough about me. Um, I was, I was thrilled. And uh, at the same time, I was also a little worried because, you know, it's the poems near and dear to my heart and 
here's a play treatment of it was anything going to be lost in translation and nothing was it was it was brilliant um so uh maybe you could start off by telling us what made you think of this poem first of all to be turned into uh a play into a theatrical sort of treatment and uh what were some of the uh, thoughts or struggles the process you went through perhaps in you know taking that classic poem and turning it into a play so it all started when because i also read the poem when i was in i think seventh grade mm -hmm. which feels feels like shouldn't show it i don't know it feels so dark i don't know about showing it to kids that young but i loved yeah. it uh, and then I, I forgot all about it. And then years later, I was like, oh, I was trying to remember what was that thing, that thing I read. And in my head, it was a short story. Uh, and I, when I finally found it, it was a poem. And I was like, why is this just a poem? In my head, it feels like it was so epic and huge. Right. And I was like, I have to do something with this. I have to make it bigger. And my most of my writing is stage plays. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out a way to make the travel make sense in a stage play because it's all about them traveling this great distance. Right. And so I wrote my first radio play. I was in quarantine. I was bored. <laughs> I sat down one day and I think I wrote the whole first draft in like a couple of hours. I just like hammered through it because I was so excited mm -hmm. and that was how it happened. Excellent. Yeah. Um, it is a lot like the original is a lot like a, a short story. It's not, it's, it's, uh, you know, very much told in a prose kind of mm -hmm. style. Uh, it does have a beginning, a middle, and uh, somewhat of a somewhat of an end, uh, an end that could you know be interpreted a whole bunch of different ways. Um, so, while you were writing this, did you find that uh, the radio format of it, the radio nature of it, was was coming to you naturally or was it a bit of a struggle at first? It was, it was pretty natural because I formatted it like it was Cap's journal. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like a narration to himself. Right. And then with the interjections from Sam. So I, I think it came pretty easily. I, I should probably try and write like a true radio play and see if that's actually harder, but we'll see. Well, that, that is my next question. You, you read my mind after having written this radio play, how do you feel in terms of, you know, future endeavors uh, with this format? Or is it more the sort of thing where like, I did that, experienced it, gonna go back to writing for the stage? I'm curious, I'd like to try. I'm talking with some friends right now about a podcast series. So that might be what comes up next. That's still Those are fun. early stages, but we'll see. Like, like, a, like a play podcast series? Yeah. Cool, like a, like a story, yeah, excellent. There's a lot of great ones out there and you are a terrific writer. I'm sure that you'd be able to, to pull it off well. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the other writing that you've done. I know that uh, you certainly have the, what seems to me, just from reading this one play, the uh, gift of a, a writer. So where, where else and what else have you, uh, you done in the theatrical realm? So uh, I've done a handful of uh, longer plays 
Uh, they're all on my new play exchange profile if people want to look that up. Okay. And uh, the other thing that would be really easy for people to find was uh, I lived in LA for a couple years and I wrote for this uh, web series called Galactic Galaxy. Okay. And it's a Star Wars parody. And it is, <laughs> it is what it is. I, I cherish it because it was one of my first true writing projects where I got to like, you know, be paid and all that. And so I love yeah, it, but it's, it's a excellent. little silly. All right. Galactic Galaxy. Yeah. I like that. That sounds fun. So I, I, that, I have to ask you, are you more of a Star Wars or Star Trek fan? I like the poetry of Star Trek more. I think it's so noble that it's like, it's not about blowing people up. It's about exploring places, building communities. I like that. And is there a theme that also runs throughout your own work? How you just mentioned that, you know, for uh, for Star Trek and so on. Is there something that you try to communicate through your own writing? At least maybe maybe you do and it's subconscious, but I didn't know if there was, if there are some statements you like to make when you're writing. That's a good question. Uh, I like to always try to interject some humor in everything whenever I can. And I like to, it, me and Sam, Sam and me was kind of a deviation from this. I usually write for women and okay. for queer stories, but mm -hmm. it, it was about two men. It just happened to be that way. And I, I you could have made the captain a man I, or a woman, I guess, but eh, it, it, I wanted to pay, pay attention to the original. Sure, sure. Yeah, you didn't want to wander too far from that. And I don't know if that would have uh, necessarily been so uh, time accurate, you know, with mm -hmm. the setting of of the piece. So we had talked before uh, a little bit through through email. Is Sam and me something that maybe sometime down the road that might be something that you would explore expanding into something greater than uh, than ten minutes, or do you feel like it's good where it is? nothing more I can do with it. You when think? you originally asked me that, I went back and looked at it and I was like trying to see where I would stretch it out. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see it at the time. Okay. And now it's been a few months, it's been a while. And I feel like I could probably go back now and I would see it differently. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm open to it. I, I've thought about it more and I, I might go back and stretch it out a little more. It's a, it's, a, it's a great piece as the audience who is listening right now, I'm sure agrees. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Couldn't have been done without your brilliant words. So uh, Mary, thank you so much for not only submitting it, but for joining me for this little chat today. It's been great to talk to you and I uh, look forward to reading more of your work in the future. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Shakespeare Virtual Theatre Company's Podcast Plays with Sam and Me by Mary Beringer, featuring the voice talents of Ray Fletcher as Cap and Jake Lewis as Sam McGee. This production was directed and edited by Jake Lewis. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified for the latest episodes. If you think you have a script that would make a good podcast play, submit it to us at www.jakespearevtc.com slash submit. We hope you'll join us again next week for yet another of Shakespeare Virtual Theatre Company's podcast plays. <laughs>